Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to Raven Conversations. It's the show where we bring you the news and stories in the Washington National Guard. I hope you've had a good week. We got a good show for you today. But I just wanted to start off by saying that I've resumed as host of the show. Um, I want to thank Sarah Morris for taking over during my deployment. She's done a wonderful job with the podcast, and and I wish her the best of luck as she and her family PCS to Fort Knox in Kentucky. Uh, she has been and she continues to be a great public affairs professional, and I had a wonderful time making this podcast with her. She will be truly missed. So on to this week's episode. The month of May is recognized as Mental Health Awareness Month. Each year, millions of people are diagnosed and live with some sort of mental illness. They can range from stress and anxiety to more long-term disorders like ADD and uh, OCD. Our guard community is not immune to these conditions. Many of us are tasked with extremely stressful situations, like overseas deployments or responses to civil unrest here at home. The COVID-19 pandemic and the year 2020 in general clearly demonstrated the enormous pressure that was placed on guard service members across the country. Many hundreds of Washington guardsmen were called up to serve in a variety of ways, and this state deployment continues to this very day. The good news is that the joint services support, you know, the JSS here at Camp Murray, has a whole slew of family life counselors at your service to help you get the assistance you need. I spoke with Jenica Cardenas, who is the R3SP coordinator for the state. That stands for Resilience, Risk Reduction, and Suicide Prevention. Together with her group of counselors, they are ready to help you get through your time of need and back on track to a more happy and healthy life. I hope you enjoy the conversation because there's a lot of great information in there. Enjoy. So thank you all for for uh, for being with me today. Um, we're joining me for another conversation on our lovely podcast we got going on. Um, today I am here with uh, Jenica Cardenas, and she has a we have a whole panel of uh, of, of guests talking about mental health awareness month through the about the, you know that it takes place in the month of may every year so um jenica if i can have you go ahead and introduce yourself and a little bit about your program and then uh if you would introduce our our panel here yeah thank you thanks um everybody for being here um may is the mental health awareness month my name is jenica cardenas i am the Resilience, Risk Reduction, and Suicide Prevention Program Coordinator for the Guard, located at the Joint Services Support Building 3 on Camp Murray. I've been in this job for about 10 months, but before that, I worked as the Victim Advocate Coordinator for the SHARP program. So mental health is extremely important. I've seen it um, throughout my military career and then also in the civilian sector. So I wanted to do this podcast and bring together some subject matter experts in the field. We have um, Monique Jordan, who is a military family life consultant located at the JSS. We have Major Malorban, who is our behavior health officer located at the MedDet. And then we also have Mr. Lanny Harris located um, at the state surgeon's office, who is also the military life family consultant. So my program 
focuses on um, resilience. And when we talk about mental health, um, that can mean a number of things. Um, we can be dealing with financial issues. We can be dealing with relationship issues, family issues, deployments. Um, and so we're hoping to give you some resources um, that you have um, to help educate and spread the word um, and promote health-seeking behavior. So, um, Major Bokorbin, can you introduce a little bit about what you do for the Guard? Sure. My name is Major Nicole McGarbon. I'm one of the behavioral health officers with the Washington National Guard. We actually have several. Um, I'm currently on orders, but I'm a traditional kind of guardsman here during drill weekends. Uh, I am a clinical psychologist. I was previously an active duty behavioral health officer over at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And then when I transitioned off of active duty, came within the Washington National Guard. Um, and since then, kind of civilian job. Um, I've done a specialty fellowship in behavioral sleep medicine. And so that's kind of my background. And so I've worked across the street. And then like I said, right now I'm currently on orders. Uh, for the end of the month. But as I can explain a little bit about what a behavioral health officer does for the Washington National Guard. So I actually work you know, directly under the state surgeon. And so our biggest responsibility really is you know, the mental health readiness of the force. Um, and so that can look kind of different and lots of, have lots of different kind of responsibilities and tasks. Um, you know, primarily I meet with soldiers who, you know, express some kind of mental health concern or questions um, and help set them up with resources. If that's through the JSS, if that's through our MFLIX, Mr. Harris, um, or any kind of other behavioral health resources in the community through the DOD or VA. Um, because really our, our main goal is again, kind of that mental health readiness. And so if there are kind of any mental health concerns, making sure that people are getting connected with treatment and you know, getting ready, you know, getting those treated as soon as possible. So that way they can be ready to deploy, go on mission, task gains and things like that. We also do other wide variety of things, including you know specialty kind of assessments um, for like military schools, um, command directed and things like that. Mr. Harris, would you like to go next? Uh, sure. Um, I uh, My previous experience was at JVLM as a uh, military family life counselor, and I have been working here about the past month. And like Major McGarvin said, she sometimes refers people to me. Um, I think the, the objective is to help people maybe uh, talk to me as a licensed mental health counselor maybe get them started on coping skills and strategies if that's what's called for and um, get doing therapy in a lot of cases where they wouldn't have to go beyond me or they may be waiting to go to behavioral health for a more serious situation and a lot of times I can bridge uh, while they're waiting uh, do similar types strategies of coping and and uh, counseling and talking and just letting soldiers know that this is a good, safe place to talk, that it's very confidential. I think that's one of the big things that's really important is I, I outreach with people and let them know that beyond, uh, you know, beyond um, certain issues that I have to report, like uh, suicidality, for example, I can stay very confidential. And it, I think it gives soldiers a, a modicum of 
uh, feeling like what they say will stay with me for the most part, unless it's a duty to warn issue. And um, that's really what I do. And um, I'm also doing a lot of outreach, trying to get to other areas besides just Camp Murray. I want to eventually reach out to um, uh, virtually to a lot of the M-Day people. And I uh, don't quite have that set up yet, but hoping to do that. We can do some things by phone when it's necessary or helpful. And hopefully um, with COVID and everything, you know, we, we need to be able to set up virtual ability as well, which means I could reach people all over the state at that point. So it's just in the beginnings of, but that's that's sort of the goal. That's where I'm headed, I hope. Ms. Monique Jordan, would you like to go next? Oh, <clears throat> yes, of course. Um, do I need the video on or can I just leave it on? Okay, all right. So, um, like Lanny, I also do um, military family life counseling. And um, it's um, kind of short-term, non-medical. Yeah. And what, what happens is um, a lot of times people don't need um, as much intervention in their lives if they, if they begin early. So um, what we can do is we can um, see what's going on, see what their, what their goals are, what their issues are. Sometimes it's communication. Maybe they um, didn't learn how to communicate well and uh, um, they're having struggles with that. We can um, bridge that gap. Um, they might be having um, some anger issues. And as everyone knows, the anger is a secondary emotion and we may be able to get underneath that anger and figure out what's going on with that. Um, they may be having relationship issues uh, and um, not really um, understanding one another or um, how to communicate their personal feelings. And we can work with that. Um, I like to see myself sometimes kind of like a mediator, like a friendly mediator, one that will communicate what's meant and not always what is said. Sometimes we're so upset with uh, our partners or whoever we're dealing with that we're unable to communicate the love that's underneath our, our feelings and we can get to that. So uh, we can help with just about anything as, as Lanny said, except if the person is going to harm themselves or someone is going to harm them or someone around them is going to be harmed. Those are the, that's when we, we need to intervene and take the um, issue to another level. But other than that, we are licensed mental health counselors. We have our degrees and we have the ability to um, support our servicemen and women um, and people however they need to, with whatever they need. Well, thank you all for being here today. I mean, this is a, this is a really, really important topic and I'm, and I'm glad you guys are here and I'm glad we have you in our, in our formation to, to or outside of our formation to help us out. You know, um, I myself am a service member as well. Uh, I'm in the guard as well. Um, so when we, talk about mental illness, mental health, it covers a wide, wide range of topics and, and, and conditions. Um, 
what kinds of things are you guys seeing in in service members? And anybody can answer. Sure, I, Major McGarvan. I think there's a you know when we like you mentioned when we say mental health, you know there's a huge range of what does that mean. Um, it can be anything from you know like they had mentioned relationship concerns, you know maybe communication skills in the office. Um, all the way to something more severe, such as like a bipolar diagnosis or, you know, kind of major depression or post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and so there's, you know, a, a big range of things that we see. Um, you know, some of the common ones I think are relationship issues are probably sure. one of the, the biggest ones that people are coming in wanting um, services for. Um, and just adjustment to, you know, stressors, you know, as, you kind of mentioned, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, we've had multiple stressors this year with um, you know, the, the protests and things. And so it's definitely definitely put a lot of stress on individuals and we're definitely seeing an increase in people seeking behavioral health services. Yeah, um, I've seen lately a lot of stress-related issues and anxiety. And of course, you have to sit down and define what you mean by anxiety because everybody gets some anxiety, but then there is an anxiety disorder. And usually somebody's on that continuum from one end to the other, depending on what's going on in their life. But honestly, I don't think, I think everybody I've talked to in the last month or so has had a component of that where the stressors are just a lot. Maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's a relationship, or it might be something to do with the guard, like in their command system or what's going on, mm -hmm. whatever it is. A um, lot, a lot of stressors and, you know, stress isn't all bad, it can be good. And I think helping them to learn uh, how stress can be good and reframe that is really important too. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, I believe that the people that join the um, guard are, are there because they feel that they're resilient enough to um, stand the course. So, um, when these stressors happen, um, there can always be that question, you know, can I, can I do this? Can I make it through this with this added, um, I don't want to say burden, but this added uh, challenge in my life. And uh, um, sometimes just venting or letting someone know, hey, this is going on. Um, and us letting them know, you know, you're not the only one experiencing that. Mm -hmm. um, and here's some ways that we can um, we can help you work through it and finding out, you know, what what are your goals? What are you what would you like to see happen? And what can how can we help you uh, imagine um, a positive end and what that would look like and the steps it takes to make it there? So. Being in the guard, being in the military, we're, you know, we have unique jobs, unique, we're put in unique situations when it comes to, say, fighting wildfires or fighting wars. I mean, we go all across the world and do many, many different things. So, um, how, and, and, and we're, we're, we're kind of, asked to do superhuman type 
things, right? We're, we're, we're kind of raised a little bit, you know, people look up to us and they, they expect us to act in a, in a specific way um, to do all these different things that we're tasked to do. And it could be ranged from anything from cyber, you know, to special forces and, and doing this wide range of missions that we do. Um, so how does, I don't know if I'm, if I'm asking it correctly, um, how does that affect the way we deal with stress? you know, or, or some kind of anxiety. I think the the biggest thing is normalizing that we all have stress, but we also all deal with stress differently. So for instance, if my leadership expects me to deal with a certain situation specifically to how they would deal with it, that's unrealistic. So I think normalizing that everybody handles stress differently is very important to promote help-seeking behavior. Um, and then learning these different skills from different um, courses that the military has. So like resiliency training, right? We have the MRT course, we have executive level MRT. And those are just different ways that you can cope with stress. Um, we have a four lens course um, that talks about personality, getting to know an individual and how they deal with certain things. So I think the pressure needs not to be on, you need to deal with stress a certain way. I think it needs to be normalizing that everybody is going to go through a stressful event and they're going to deal with it in their way. And if it's not productive, then, hey, how are we going to help them? What resources do we have to promote that healthy stress? Well, and I think, you know, I, I think as military members, we also need to keep in mind that we are a minority of individuals that raised our hand and took the oath and put this uniform on, right? And, and I think with that, you know, I think obviously the military might attract certain personalities, but I also think that, you know, we can't forget kind of the strength and resiliency that we have through these through these unique experiences, right? So we went through, you know, people have went through basic, people have went through officer candidate school, and those are not easy things to do. Um, and, you know, the training that we undergo, um, you know, as much as, as people don't, you know, coming to drill and going to the range and going through, you know, combat maneuvers, right? You know, it's, it's training you to, to handle stress. Um, in, you know, before you get to a combat environment. And so I think, you know, I think we need to give ourselves you know, some, yes, praise that we've, that we do have some resiliency, that we have made it through these really unique, really challenging experiences that not, not everybody can, not everybody would do or would want to do. Um, and so there's, there's resiliency and strength in that. Um, so I always want kind of remind people of like, yeah, that you've done some really, really challenging things and you've and you've held up under really stressful circumstances. Um, and and you grow from it, right? Not only you know, your your self-confidence, um, you know, kind of cognitively, physically, psychologically, that you've that you grow from these experiences. Yeah, um, I also like to teach people about what they really can control versus what they can't control when it comes to things like anxiety and or depression. You know, way over on the left side, you, you tend to think about things that you're sad about or you regret 
or maybe you say woulda, coulda, shoulda, and by definition, everything in the past is not in your control. Uh, over on the other far end, uh, you have things in the future that are not in your control, just like the pandemic came, we never knew it was coming, but here it is. Um, yet people worry and the anxiety is over there. So what I like to teach people is don't spend a lot of time with your brain working on things that you can't control. Bring it back to the here and now, to the moment, and teach your brain how to stay in the moment more often. Or at least if you go those other places, don't stay there. And keep coming back to, hey, the moment right now is good. I think that fits into the idea of resiliency too, because that's where I really am going to bounce. I'm not going to stay in the sad moment. I'm not going to stay in the worrisome future moment. I'm going to I'm going to be right here, which this moment's good. Um, that's that's cognitive behavioral therapy kind of, but um, I think that's really important to realize that you can teach your brain to be resilient and stay in the moment more often, and you need to do that, especially with the kind of things that soldiers are facing today, like going all over, not just the world, but in our own country, like Washington, D.C., and downtown Olympia, and, and Seattle, and things that I don't think soldiers have ever faced before, at least not in the ways they're facing it now, so... Mm -hmm. They really do need resilience, and they need to be um, staying in the moment more often. So I feel like there's been a prevalence in the in the military community about um, not being able to seek help when you when you uh, when you feel like you need it, um, because I think some service members might think it might you know people might look at them differently, um, or that their chain of command will see less of them and they might not, you know, because in the military, there's a lot of, you know, just, just suck it up and drive on kind of thing. Um, do you guys, do you guys see a lot of that? And, and, and how are, how are we, what are we doing to, to, to cut through that and to change uh, service members' behavior in that regard? Uh, well, I think programs like MFLAC uh, are helping to do that, but it takes time because you've got people uh, MFLAC programs only been around about 10 years, or like what I do, I've only been here a month and a half, and there were people before me that did it. But I think I think it's a constant. I know what I'm doing right now is when I see soldiers, when I see um, readiness officers, and I'm doing outreach and kind of try like selling the program. I I take great pains to let them know that, um, for example, um, they can talk to me and be confidential. That in most cases, unless it's a duty to warn. Um, that isn't going to affect their career. I remember being at the Air Force at a, it was a meeting that they called at one of the squadrons and they had me come in and they had, they also had a, a sergeant stand up and say what a great experience she had had with a counselor and that it didn't, it, she literally said it didn't ruin my career, it helped me and it got me back to where I needed to be. I think, I think her issue had been depression or something like that. But the point being was I think getting those testimonials from the people who have used it is very, very helpful. And then, and then as we're outreaching as counselors and letting people know that it's not like the old days, it's, it's something different. And that, that command is figuring out that people need a safe place to go and talk and debrief and let things out. And I think that's, I've only been in this, for, in this realm for the last two and a half years, but it seems to me like that's starting to get across that message. And I think that's a good thing. That's part of why I like to do this program. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah. Monique, do you have anything to add before I chime in? Oh, absolutely. Um, 
I think command has a lot to do with whether or not um, inflags or behavioral health or anything is um, effective in um, helping. Because for one thing, um, when I was working with SOCOM, the commanders all said, we've used Inflix. They call us Inflix. <laughs> um, <laughs> we use them and they're very good. And um, they introduce us, the command introduce us to uh, to their service members and their families. We're brought in in the beginning when they be, when they come in. Um, we're um, appreciated and um, we're allowed to uh, debrief or brief with them, let them know what's going on and how they can uh, they can access us. We're invited to family events through command. We're um, and so because we were so well um, promoted, people did not have a problem contacting us. And then, um, and, and very important is that you're not necessarily in the same area that your command is, even though they're saying this is great, being able to meet remotely from the privacy of their own home is actually very good because unless command comes and knocks on your door, <laughs> we're not going to be, um, we're not revealing that, you know, I've, I've seen this person and it's very, very, very important um, for their self-esteem. And sometimes what they will do is they will say, I went to an inflag and this was very helpful. And they will tell their command themselves, I went to an inflag or the command will tell their soldiers or service members, I went to an inflag. And so it's kind of like, uh, you get a badge for actually going to see the inflag instead of you get a, a reprimand or looked down upon. So how the people in charge see our service is very important. And whether or not they see it as important, the government saw it as important and put inflags into position so that service members could have something available where they were not connected to the service and they could get the help that they needed because they saw the need. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, depending on like command leadership, even kind of first line leadership all the way up to you know, battalion command, brigade command, right? Even you know, the general level, of you know how they approach or promote behavioral health really does have an influence on that that private um and so you know I, I definitely agree you know if they're encouraging people to seek health when they need it uh, i mean i think it's always great when they come forward and say like hey i went and saw an mflic um or i went to get behavioral health treatment for my ptsd you know i i took a knee and i went and got treatment and it was super helpful and here i am and it look it didn't impact my career i went on these deployments i'm a general now right like i i think that really promotes um getting help when you need it um and you know, I wish there was there was more of that, um, even again, kind of at the lower levels. And I've definitely experienced you know, part of my job too is consulting with command, you know, 
if there's concerns about you know risk or concerns about fitness for duty or things like that and you know i've i've been really pleasantly surprised um and really hopeful within the national guard that most commanders seem to be extremely supportive um and will reach out to the soldiers and you know talk with them um, about you know what do you need what can we do to help you get back to where you need to be so you can fully return to duty and like they were have mentioned some of them will even talk about their own experiences with behavioral health if they're comfortable disclosing and i think that's great because it really breaks down this barrier this stigma that it's something that has to be kept secret that there's something wrong with me that i sought behavioral health services where you have commanders saying like hey i went to behavioral health it was super helpful to me um you know it got me through you know x y and z and i'm a commander i wasn't relieved of command i'm you know still successful and um and again, i think that's that's some of the biggest you know promotion of behavioral health and i think one of the things that i that we strive to do really is also education of um you know because stigma is still real there is the concern i still hear every day that you know, going and seeing you, going and seeing behavioral health, getting treatment is going to ruin my career. Um, it's going to kick me out of the military. I'm not going to be able to stay in or people are going to think differently about me. Um, and as people mentioned earlier, right, I mean, we hope that behavioral health, what we what we want to do is see it as more of a preventative versus a reactive type of care. So, you know, when you're, when you're noticing that the stress is building, um, when you're noticing that you're starting to have symptoms, you know, sleep issues or, you know, depressive symptoms, um, mood issues, anxiety issues, that you get care quickly. Um, because, you know, if you get into care, you know, soon and, and kind of treat that and head it off, um, then, you know, again, you're going to be able to return to duty quickly. You're going to be able to deploy. You're going to be able to go to the schools that you want. You know, where it becomes an issue is where people don't get don't get help and then it builds and it builds and maybe you're using alcohol to self-medicate or other illicit substances you know like marijuana or things um, um, or you know you end up in an incident with your family you know a domestic violence incident or again kind of you're drinking and you end up with a dui or some other kind of legal issue those are the things that end the career not that you sought behavioral health um, it's very, very rare that somebody comes to me that has a mental health condition that is disqualifying for military service because you know, we've, went, we've been through MAPS, right? We've been screened. Um, and so it's very rare that someone's going to come to me and has one of these conditions. And if they do, you know, I, we're going to do whatever we can to maintain that soldier. Because again, my, my job, my goal is to keep soldiers in the military. I want you to reach that 20 if that's your goal and retire. I want you to deploy. Um, that's that's my job is to get you there. Um, and so I'm going to do everything that I can if that means being reevaluated or talk to you about, you know, if you do have PTSD, what are the evidence-based treatments that are going to get you back into the fight as soon as possible? Possible is that prolonged exposure? Is that you know, cognitive processing therapy? Is that a medication if we need to do it? Um, and kind of refer you to that. And so I think, you know, education is a is a big piece that we are trying to do. And I think we're doing that on our end, but I also think, you know, command and obviously things like this kind of podcasts, I think are all really important in getting that word out that it's okay sometimes, you know, everybody's gonna have to take a knee probably at some point in their life, right? Life happens um, and that's okay. You know, get the care that you need now before it becomes a bigger problem. 
um, and then there's potential consequences down the road. So you know, take care of it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very the, very well said, all of you. That was that was interesting. Um, so if I was a, a service member and I was having some some kind of kind of issue or, or problem, what 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 what's what's where's the first place that I can go? There's so many avenues, yeah. Um, right? Can, yeah, there are. It's yeah. Like right, you can walk service, you know. Yeah, you can go to your chaplain. You can go over to JSS. You know, they'll do a thorough kind of you know sit down with you and see how they can help you. And you know, Jenica mentioned kind of financial. You know, do we need to refer you over to the MFLIC? Um, education. I mean, there's so many things. Um, you know, we're over in the med debt. Um, so Mr. Harris has an office here in HSS. And when, when I go out to people, I let them know they can call me direct. Um, I've yeah. got flyers and cards so they can see that it's that easy to contact. And even if there's something out of scope for me, then part of my job becomes to refer them to the necessary uh, helps that they need. You know, there's a lot of things that I can't help them with if they are even more severe and we'll make sure to get them the help they need. Yeah, and on drill weekends, we have three, four, five behavioral health officers here. You know, people can walk in at any time and sit down with us and say, you know, hey, here's what I'm, here's what's going on, what resources, um, you know, do we have, you know, even during their PHAs, if they put it on kind of the online PHA or if they're meeting with one of the, the medical providers and say, hey, I have this concern, they will walk you down to one of us and we will sit down with you and kind of talk it through. Um, and often, you know, we, we do follow up too as well to make sure that people are engaging in care, that they're not getting, you know, running into kind of roadblocks if therapists are full or, or insurance isn't working. Like, you know, we will work with soldiers to get them, get them what they, where they need to be. Again, if that's VA, a vet center across the street, I mean, there's, there's lots of resources. Yeah. There's also resources within the unit, too. So, you know, we train MRTs, Master Resilient Trainers. Um, we have suicide intervention officers who are trained in applied uh, skills intervention training. Um, so those would be, like, the people that you would look for in your unit to try to figure out, like, what's going on. And then they can also provide resources if you're not local to the area, Um but those are other folks that you can reach out to in your unit. Yeah, and medical readiness NCOs are always a great contact person um, because you know they they might know resource, and if they don't, then they'll be you know contacting you know the state surgeon's office, contacting one of the behavioral health officers, and getting you either set up with an appointment with one of us, or can direct you to Mr. Harris to uh, Monique. Yeah. JSS, um, I think they're always a great starting point as well. Also, a military one source is a place mm -hmm. that you can call. It's that one-stop shopping center um, for everything you need. Um, and also your um, a family member, like a spouse, could say, hey, um, I, I'm having stress about what you're going through. <laughs> and so... Um, um, having these phone numbers available, the phone number for the JSS, the phone number for anyone there, you can uh, you can go online and put in MFLAX Washington State and you'll get something. <laughs> so mm -hmm. if you're looking for the help, it's there. But as uh, Lanny said, there's cards, flyers, everything out there. But if you have a concern, um, the JSS Joint Service Support Center 
can um, lead you to where you need to go. We are working together. Um, we have every each other's numbers. And and I would not I would say um, if I have something and I'm like, oh, I think this person can really help you. So we're all wa- trying to work together hand in hand to um, make sure people are pl- put in a place of the most success. I also think that outreach, an important part of outreach is to just be a regular guy in front of soldiers. Um, so like when you get opportunities to go to an event, uh, whether it be a memorial or it be um, maybe a promotion uh, ceremony or or just just even something social and somehow you're able to get there and be part of that and they just they get used to you being around. Um, I did some of that as an MFLAC when I was on JBLM and and it, it pays off longer down the road. You don't, you know, you don't see that that's worth me going to something that's social. But honestly, when they, you know, they get to know that I, I just am there. They get used to landing, and they don't even call me Mr. Harris. And then down the road, oh, when they have a problem, they're more liable to to call me and just say, hey, can we talk? And uh, so I think that's an important part. Sometimes it looks like you're not working, but you are working. Because you're you're literally socializing with an end in mind. You don't say that to everybody, but you do that. And it is yeah, making that connection is yep. super important. Always finding new ways to make those connections because they're they're invaluable. Down you know the longer you stay too. Right. Yeah. It makes it seem less threatening too. Yeah, exactly. Behavioral <laughs> health is less scary. We're we're human beings. <laughs> I I think we covered most of. Um, what we intended to cover. Um, I'd just like to put it out to, to everybody if there's if there's one last thing that you think we might not have talked about that you wanna talk about. Um, I'll go ahead and do that now. Again, um, at the JSS, there's so many resources, but if anybody has a question about anything, we um, provide classes, different types of classes. So we have a three-day ready and resilient course, um, that I worked with Sergeant Major Ecclestone on um, to promote, you know, um, resiliency. We have the MRT class. We have the master fitness training classes. Um, we have assist. We have ASSI. So we have so many classes um, that service members can attend, you know, to gain these different coping skills. Um, we pay for it. So if anybody's interested in any of that, please give me a call. Uh, my phone number is 253-318-9827. Um, I'll answer. You can email me. I'm on the global. Um, uh, Monique, do you have any last, uh, any last comments? Um, yes, um, absolutely. Um, I want everyone to know that we're, um, we're working hand in hand. I, I can't say that enough. Um, my information is changing, so um, my new email address is monique.r.jordan at lidos.com, and lidos is spelled L-E-I-D-O-S dot com, L-E-I-D-O-S, so monique.r.jordan at L-E-I-D-O-S. Dot com and my phone number is in flux but by friday hopefully i'll have the same phone number 
<laughs> that I had before I changed contractors. And um, I'm available uh, with the JSS hours to make um, or, you know, just set up an appointment with you. And um, but my appointment times can be flexible. And it's uh, my pleasure to work with um, the JSS and um, service members. I'm really enjoying my job and looking forward to no COVID so we can all just mingle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate, yeah, what Monique is saying of, you know, please don't don't hesitate to reach out to any of us, um, any kind of point of contact you know, that you've heard here. If you are, you know, struggling again, even if it's the smallest things like um, you know, relationship issues, you know, if you're having sleep problems, uh, you know, concentration attention issues, or again, the kind of symptoms of depression or anxiety or you know, post-trauma symptoms, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have any questions, then the, the best way is probably to contact me through the state surgeon's office through our, our behavioral health. You know, she's our, our case manager. Our number is 253-512-8632. Um, and you will get one of our case managers on the phone who will put you in touch with the behavioral health officers. Again, if you want to kind of talk through what are the different resources, you know, what are the evidence-based treatments if you do have you know, a certain diagnosis like depression or anxiety or PTSD um, or even sleep issues. Like again, I said that's my specialty, but you know, if you're having insomnia or something like that, um, and you want to know what what are the kind of medical evidence-based treatments for this behavioral health condition, um, you know, please don't hesitate to come see us or give us a call and we're happy to talk through that. Thank you. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. Can't tell you how fortunate we are to have folks like you who help us out and who assist us in our times of need and and in great stress. Um, uh, these guys, these all, everybody here is a great resource, and I encourage everybody to to seek out any kind of assistance from them if if you feel like you need it. It's. Um, I'm going to I'm going to put it out to my unit, you know, as often as I can normalize help seeking behavior as often as I can. So I'm going to make that pledge right now to to, to do that in my unit. Um, and um, yeah, I just thank you folks for being here today. Mm-hmm.